right, it's NFL draft time, and we are going to talk about several things related to that. But just right now for this segment, we are going to be talking about the quarterback draft class of 2022. Obviously, the quarterbacks are the most important position in the NFL. Always talked about the most in the NFL draft. So me and Sully, mostly Sully, is going to break down the quarterbacks and kind of tell you what we think about them this year. Um, you know, obviously every year there's there's kind of a difference between how strong the quarterbacks classes are and where they will be taking, which teams need them solely. But as always, you know, that's a position that's very overinflated in, in, in the NFL draft. And sometimes you reach for one that you maybe shouldn't do uh, get early on, but also sometimes it's a loaded class. So looking at this year's, what are we looking at as far as quarterback prospects for the NFL? Yeah, I think you're looking at a lot of question marks. I, I think as we get into these guys, what what you'll quickly realize is you're either betting on a lot of uncertainty or you're really limiting the potential uh, that you're going to end up with here. And I think teams are going to have a really hard time deciding between those two things because neither of them are great answers. Um, I think it's going to depend a lot as well on situations for teams, you know, depending on um, if you're a team trying to contend immediately or if you're a team that's more in a long rebuild, that's that's going to make your decision for you in some cases. And, you know, the, I think there's also some teams this year later in the first round that have veteran quarterbacks where if some of these guys start to slide, they could take one of them and take one of these quarterbacks and start to develop them um, to maybe inherit a, a good team in a few years. Like I was saying, it's always an interesting dynamic with drafting quarterbacks because a lot of times teams feel like they need to make a change, you know, whether that be because they've had a lot of losing seasons or their fans are upset with their, you know, current quarterback or whatever. And so it really does depend on who it happens to be in that draft class. When we were talking about before how last year, you know, we were, it was really a a strong quarterback class with Mac Jones being, you know, the fifth quarterback taken and he's already a starter in the NFL for, for the new England Patriots. So looking at this year's class, before we kind of break down each individual one comparatively, is this a weaker quarterback class in your opinion? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's, you can make an argument that any of the top five from last year's class would go ahead um, of everyone in this class. I I think in, certain people may have um, one guy from this year's class ahead of a couple, but generally speaking, I think consensus would have um, that, that top five from that class, maybe all above these guys. I mean, even, even guys like Fields and Mack last year, there were still questions going into the draft. Like are the Niners going to take them at three? Are the, are the Broncos looking for somebody at eight or nine? The only reason those guys even fell into the teams was just because only so many teams needed a quarterback at that point. This year, it's it's almost the opposite where there's – I don't know if any of these guys deserve to be in the top half of the first round necessarily, but with the way these teams value quarterbacks and positional value as a whole, you're likely still looking at uh, at least one of these guys coming off the board in the first half of the first round. All right, so let's get into breaking uh, the quarterbacks down a little bit. Uh, There is kind of a a five that's head and shoulders above the rest. And while none of these may be, you know, the superstars of the future or even really franchise quarterbacks, you know a team is going to take a chance on them. So we're going to be hearing their names, and obviously we want to break down their games a little bit. But let's start, um, before we get into the top five, with 
you know, there's always some quarterbacks at the bottom that are kind of sleepers. Tom Brady was one of those. You know, we've had several over the years that are late round picks. Is there a quarterback that we may not be looking at, you know, very, very uh, deeply right now that you could see getting drafted and, and maybe, you know, making a splash later on in the league? Yeah, I think there's some interesting um, prospects later in the draft. There's none I see that I really love this year. Um, a couple of names that I will throw out, you know, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky is a guy that had a ton of production in college. He's he's pretty small. He doesn't have a huge arm, um, but I could see him carving out a career as a backup. You know, he's 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 an accurate passer. He seems like a guy that would um, be able to come in and learn the offense and be steady for an organization. But the most interesting one out of outside of the consensus top five, which I'll at least go ahead and spoil you that I, I don't have anybody in my top five that's outside of the normal the normal five that you've seen throughout this season. I think Carson Strong is at least worth a mention here. Um, I'm not really a big fan of his. He's he's a 6'6", 6'7", guy. He's got a huge arm, but he is just a statue in the pocket. Like, he he does not move at all. And he's got – he's pretty accurate for his size. Like, he's he's got a big arm. He's not one of those guys that can't control it. But he is one of the least mobile quarterbacks I've ever seen coming out of college. And – Additionally, with that, he's had, I believe it's a knee injury that has really plagued him throughout his career, and it's something that's flared up multiple times. So to me, the the him already not having great mobility, both in and out of the pocket, and then him also not having great leg health in his past seems like it's going to be really difficult for him to succeed as an NFL quarterback. But he's probably the one guy I look at outside of the top five that at least has tools that I could see working out in the NFL. The other thing is just the NFL is moving further and further away from guys that stand in the middle, stand in the pocket and throw. Like that's just not really what we see from the best quarterbacks anymore. Um, there still are guys that can play like that, but generally speaking, that's not what teams are looking for. Um, so I'll be interested to see where strong ends up on draft night. I think I would, it, I would probably guess fourth or fifth round for him. He's an interesting prospect for sure. And like you said, even these guys that we're about to talk about, in the top five, I think there are a couple of them who their body type signals that they would mo- more likely be a, a you know a prototypical pocket passer. But we have several of them who have kind of have underrated mobility, and I think that's just yep. because now we're training them to you have to be able to run a little bit, you have to be able to move out of the pocket, um, especially in college with the RPOs that more and more teams are starting to run. You you see these guys that. Um, you know, Sam Howell is one that we'll, we'll talk about here soon. He wasn't really a runner early on in his college career, but they figured out, like, this just has to be a part of our offense. And so his role completely expanded in that throughout his career. And I think you're going to see more and more guys like that um, in, in the next upcoming drafts because that's just becoming a bigger part of the sport. Right, for sure. All right, so let's get into it. Five guys, as we've mentioned um, we're going to talk about their strengths, their weaknesses a little bit, and maybe even some teams that we could see drafting them and where. Um, it's kind of a weird thing, I think, with this year's class because there's not any that are necessarily um, like, oh, you have to hit on them early on in the first round. But then there's not many that you would say in the top five that are below like the third round. I think we're all going to see them kind of go around the same area, if you will, same talent level. So it's kind of, you know, you could order them in, in, in multiple ways. So, it, But let's start with your Andrew Sullivan opinion 
uh, rankings and, and give me number five first. Yeah, and I will disclaimer, not an NFL scout. I just like doing this, so you don't like – not saying that I will be right or be wrong, but right. you can take my opinion for what it's worth. Um, number five, I have Sam Howell. I think most people have him at five. And you mentioned this is probably the guy that has the most potential to slide like late round two, maybe early round three. Although I do think it's a possibility if there's a team that likes him maybe at the end of the first or beginning of the second that could still take him. But I'll, I'll start with the positives on all these guys and then get into the negatives after. So I do think he has pretty good arm strength. And one of the biggest things he struggled with this past season was that North Carolina lost the best four playmakers to the draft last year. That Daz Newsome, Denami Brown, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams have all gone to the went all went to the NFL last year. So he was really dealing with a less talented cast last year. And as a result, he was basically the engine of the North Carolina offense last year. And as we mentioned, his role greatly expanded as a runner. Um, I think that was one thing that surprised a lot of people. I and mean, he was up there in all of college football in the broken in broken tackles. So that's all players, not just quarterbacks. Um, and he was strong enough to bounce off these defensive backs, smaller linebackers on the run. And what also impressed me is he he has a little bit of running back vision. Like when he's when he's running, he's able to set up blockers, um, manipulate the rush. He, he's very creative when he runs. The problem is I don't know if he has like NFL speed at this point. And so it almost reminds me, and I, he's gotten this comparison, I think, because of the beard. But the way he runs does remind me of Baker a little bit in that it, it's smart, it's creative, but I don't know how much he'll be able to do it at a high rate in the NFL um, but it's certainly an asset for him. Throwing, he's – I do think he has good enough arm strength. Like, he can throw when he's flat-footed. He has the arm strength to throw down the field. He does kind of get a little too – I think he he likes his arm a little too much, I guess is the way I would say it. Like, he sometimes tries to do the Aaron Rodgers where you just, like, fade back and flick it down the field, and he doesn't have that type of arm strength. So, I, I think he still has a lot of improvements to make as a thrower just with accuracy – um, across the field but he I think he has a lot of room to improve in pretty much all parts of his game and I can see a path where he does become a solid NFL starter I think what I've seen with Sam Howell and you know he's kind of that one of those that in college we have several of these there's two different types there's the Kenny Pickett who we'll talk about later who kind of just got better and better and better and worked his way into an NFL prospect uh, very Mac Jones like I guess you could say and then there's the Sam Howell, who his freshman year, people were like, oh, is this, could this be the quarterback of his draft class? And he just never kind of really developed any more skill set than he already had. Not to say he wasn't good, but just he already had what he could do. And like you said, he developed as a runner. And like you said, I think his biggest, um, I guess, best trait throwing the ball is that he, at the combine, if you watch him, has a beautiful deep ball. Very, like if he drops back in rhythm, He's got a very fluid deep ball motion, but the problem is, is that in the NFL, you're not going to be able to do that on every play and every throw. And I didn't really see him make many throws. I haven't researched him as much as you have, but I haven't really seen him make those accurate technical throws on very technical routes where, you know, you're having a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot to read. And so I think that's maybe where he struggles is, is going through his progressions, being able to move in the pocket. But if he can just, you know, step back and drop and throw a deep ball, He's pretty good. But in the NFL, obviously, you got to be able to do a lot more than just that. Yeah, and one thing that makes it difficult, especially with a lot of these, these the guys this year, is you don't get to see them in a simple drop-back offense a lot. Like Howell, um, Willis, 
Corral, all these guys are in very heavy RPO systems. And so, you know, you do get to see him run the ball a lot, which I think has definitely improved his stock some, but you don't get as many of those opportunities to see him really like make these intermediate, like outside the boundary throws that, you you know, teams in NFL teams are going to be attempting a lot more often. Um, but yeah, I think some of the negatives with him, um, he also, I think similar to Baker, you know, he, I've mentioned a positive kind of with Baker. He also, I think, gets a little excited and just wants to let it rip, even if a guy's covered. Like, I think he forces some throws that he doesn't, um, he doesn't necessarily have a guy there available. And additionally with that, letting it rip, I, I don't see him throw with touch as much as some of these other guys. He's much more just like throwing with one speed, like letting it rip. So I, to me, I think he's probably, to me, I would probably take him somewhere in the late second round. Um, I do think he has value um, as a backup that can come in, you know, he's athletic enough to create a little bit by himself. So um, I, I think this is probably a late second round pick to me. Interesting. Um, but like you said, you know, that, that that's still pretty good compared to what we've seen. I mean, you know, from quarterbacks in recent years, obviously it is an inflated position, but um, one thing about him too, and, and this kind of goes to what you said about trying to force throws is he, he took 48 sacks last year, which is not, not great at all. Um, obviously that can be a little inflated or deflated depending on how good your offensive line is and what kind of system you're in. But either way, that's a lot of sacks. So I think teams will be a little wary of that too. Um, is there, this is obviously a really tough question. We were kind of talking about this off camera, but is there a team that you could see specifically um, wanting him, or is this just more of a whatever team at this point wants to take a chance on a quarterback later could maybe try to pick him up? Yeah, I think it's hard to match up guys like late in the second round because so much of it just depends on how the how the early parts of the draft go. I think you're maybe maybe a team like Atlanta or Seattle. Um, you know, I think we're probably going to throw around the same teams for a lot of these guys, but one of those teams to me, the te- I think a team you're looking for with Howell is a team that doesn't necessarily like an, any of the top quarterbacks enough to use their first round pick on them, but are going to be bad enough to where they feel like it's worth taking a swing on a guy and seeing if they can develop him in a couple years where they're going to be pretty bad anyways. So a team like the Falcons to me might make sense if they don't go quarterback in the first round. Um, you know, there's some people that think, the Lions may take a quarterback at 32 because with the first round pick, you do get that fifth year option on a guy. So you get one extra year of team control. Um, I don't, I would, I wouldn't take Howell there, but I do think it's possible somebody would like him enough to take him there. Um, and, and it may not even be Detroit that takes him there. You know, somebody else with a pick in the early second round may trade up into the first round to get a guy there just because it has that fifth year option carried with it. So it, it may not be Howell at 32, but I think it's really likely a guy does get picked towards the end of that first round. That's a good point. Maybe we'll talk about one of those guys here coming up that, that will be selected. All right, so we got Howell at number five. Let's move on to your number four quarterback on the board. Yeah, so this might be like a little bit of a surprise. My number four is Kenny Pickett. Um, I think I'll start with the positives first. So I'll be nice to everybody. They, I do think he's he's really smart. I think he understands – um, he, I think he understands how defenders play really well. Like he, he throws a great back shoulder ball. He's accurate at all levels of the field. Um, he's a quick decision maker. You know, he's, he's patient um, and he's got a quick release. He, the thing with me that is a little bit of a holdup 
for me with him is I don't think he sees the field as well as some of these other guys that have come out and been processing machines. Like, you know, I think one guy, you know, you already mentioned earlier was Mac. The difference to me between him and Mac is that I, I don't really ever see Mac make the wrong read. And with Pickett, I'm not saying he's bad in that, but I don't see him as that elite guy. And he doesn't have the other traits that make you like drool over a prospect. So it he's really difficult for me because I do think like he, he's mobile enough to get out of the pocket. He can scramble some, but he, you know, he doesn't have a great arm. He struggles to get enough, like a ton of velocity on the ball when he's, when he's not, you know, perfectly planted in the pocket. And I don't, you know, he, he just doesn't see the field like some of those guys, but I do think he is more athletic than a Mac. Like, so, so there's, there's potential for me, um, you know, his top end, which I think is ridiculous, but some people in the process have said like maybe his top end could be like a Tony Romo where, you know, it's not an elite athlete, um, but a guy that can move around enough to make plays. I don't really think he can move around that much. I also just don't think he's as smart, but he is, he's accurate enough and smart enough that I do see um, a real, a higher floor with him. So especially a team that's looking for a guy that can come in and play right away. um, I do think he provides an advantage there. Um, so I think, I mean, to be honest with you, there's really only, I think there's, there's one guy I would take in the first round this year. And obviously that's my number one. So I don't think I would take Pickett in the first round. Uh, but I, I think there are certain teams that will prefer the, the certainty they get with him. Yeah. Pickett is, I think the reason he rose so much in this last year is because he seems like the most sure thing, if you will. And sometimes those those types of quarterbacks don't do as well in the draft because a lot of times you are you are guessing on potential and what they could be and what their ceiling is. But what I like about Pickett is that he is kind of hard to like say, well, this is all he can do. Because I've seen Dan Orlovsky and several other people show tape where he has some mobility. He has the ability to throw off, off the platform. Mm-hmm. He's very accurate at times. And I think he is probably the best... I don't know how else to word it, technical thrower in the draft as far as he's very good at hitting kind of, you know, difficult routes, not necessarily just simple slants or long, you know, whatever it may be. But I do agree with you in the sense that he doesn't do anything like extraordinarily flashy. Like he doesn't have superior arm strength. He doesn't have, you know, like any, you know, super mobility that would put him ahead of a lot of these other guys. And so I I don't necessarily see him being like, a top 15, top 10 quarterback even at his best. And that's where I think, like, why, therefore, would you draft him early on in the first round? But I do think he's a, he's a solid player in that his his floor um, is not at quite as low as maybe some of those some of the other guys you have ahead of him. But I will say I agree with you in the sense that I think, I mean, obviously the three left are Corral, Willis, and um, – I just had his name Ritter Ritter. And I do think all three of those could be better than him ceiling wise. So I agree with you in that sense of ranking him number four, but I think it'll be interesting to see what team values him because he would do very well. I think in a situation like Mac where the team is already mostly there and he doesn't have to do as much necessarily as, some of these other guys could could probably help a team that doesn't have as many pieces around him. A lot was made about it, his hand size too. So like, you yeah. know, he's got some, he's got some things that are concerning, but I do think he could be a decent quarterback on a team that has good pieces around him. 
Yeah, I think it's difficult with with Pickett because I, I think he probably benefits more so than anyone else this year that it's a bad class because right. there's going to be teams that are like, can we just get someone that we kind of trust? And he's probably that guy. But I think last year, you know, even last year with Mac, everybody was like, how on earth would you take Mac over these guys that are infinitely more athletic and all the, all that kind of stuff? Like I, I see Mac as better than Pickett um, in that regard. And so if a lot of people had those same criticisms with Mac, I think Pickett should fall into that, um, into that boat as well. But yeah, I think he does, um, he does have potential, you know, with um, some of his ability to, to move around in the pocket, but um, I, I struggle to see him make throws on the run, even when he is mobile enough to do that um, on a consistent basis. And there's been a couple clips where, you know, he, he like accidentally throws a back shoulder ball just because he doesn't have the arm strength to get the ball all the way down the field. Um, and he, he did have a, he had a great receiver at Pitt uh, Addison last year who will be probably a pretty high draft pick next year. Um, so he, de- I think he depended on him a lot as well, but yeah, he's picking is solid. I, I don't see enough upside with him to take him in the first round, um, but he could be a starter for, you know, six or seven years, and it, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. All right. Uh, you know, your top three that are left, I think we're seeing kind of what you talked about with what is valued in the NFL. I think these are probably the three most mobile quarterbacks in, left in the, in the in the top. So I'd be interested to see what your description of them is. So who's your number three guy? Yeah, my number three is Ritter, and he, to me, is the most difficult one to evaluate out of the the top five, at least in my opinion. Um, I mean, full disclosure, I originally had – when I first went through, I originally had Pickett over Ritter, and then just some of the things about Pickett scared me off of that a little bit more. But I, I see them as pretty close. Um, the positives, I think Ritter, the mobility is above average. He's um, – I don't know. It's You kind of compare it to Howell – He's faster than Howell. Like top end speed, he's faster, but I don't see him as sudden and and quick moving as Howell. Like Howell has the ability to juke, and you know we mentioned him working around blockers. I don't see that as much from Ritter. Um, and so against better defensive lines, he struggled to escape from the pocket um, after a rush was there. But a guy he reminds me of some is Ryan Tannehill, just with his build, the way he moves. Um, you know you you see Tannehill in Tennessee. Um, he's not a guy that runs all the time, but when he keeps that read option with Henry and the, the whole defense is focused on him, he's quick enough to where he makes you pay for that. That's kind of the mobility I see Ritter having um, at the next level. I think he's one of the smarter guys in this class. Like probably um, he and Pickett are, are the two smartest guys. And I think he processes um, the field pretty well. He's, he's got a simple motion. He can get the ball out quickly. Um, he also, I think, lacks a little bit of touch, and he doesn't have the top high-end arm strength that you look for in some guys. Um, but, yeah, I'll throw it back to you here before I get into some of the other negatives. Yeah, I think what I saw at a Ritter, I mean, obviously I got to see him play against Alabama. So, you know, you kind of saw some of his pros, but also when you're playing a team like that, you're going to see some of the negatives. Who he, who he reminds me of, and, and this is going to shock probably – you and some people is like uh, a stiffer Dak Prescott because I remember watching Dak in college and he was very stiff like kind of ran like and Ritter has that like it's not very um like quick and and shifty running but his mobility is kind of just long and graceful 
Yeah. Um, and he can run, but he's not going to like, you know, be the Lamar, like shake and bake type running. It's going to be more like the, you know, the Jalen Hurts kind of downhill, long strides. Um, but what I like about him is that he does seem to be very decisive. Now, sometimes that can get him into trouble because he'll make a throw with confidence and it'll be like way over the receiver's head. And you're like, what in the world? But like you said, he doesn't necessarily excel at the deep ball or necessarily on touch throws. But I think that's where I'm talking about that stiffness comes into play where he's kind of yeah. just got a very, you know, robotic motion that's not necessarily great off platform. But over the middle of the field and intermediate throws, he I think he's probably the the best at that in this class. Maybe you could argue um, Pickett is, I don't know. But as far as like those on-time throws, you know, over the middle of the field, intermediate, he is he might be the best, but I don't know if he has any of the flashiness that some of those other guys have. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the Dak one, the Dak person is one I've heard a couple of times. And I think, um, especially like talking about the way he moves, I, I think that fits. And so, yeah, some of the things that concern me a little bit with him are, you know, you mentioned this with Pickett also with him. I don't really know what he does in a, at an exceptional level. And sometimes with guys, you know, it's good to be well-rounded, but it's also sometimes nice to know, like, I can depend on this one thing. Um, and we'll talk about a, a player later who I think that's very true for. Um, he also, you mentioned this, he misses, th- like, when he misses, it's bad. Like, he, he misses way worse a lot of times, which is, it's hard to evaluate that because is it really, you know, does it really matter how badly you miss if you miss the same amount? Like, that's, you know, that's a question teams will have to think about um because you know it's like basketball it doesn't you can airball 50 percent of your shots but if you make 40 percent of them then that's still that's still good like obviously that's unrealistic but that that's the question teams will have to think about with Ritter um the largest issue I think and why I don't because there's some people that like him a lot like there's some people that haven't met one in this class I think the the reason I don't is because I'm not sure how well his mobility translates and we kind of already mentioned that like I don't see the same um that same quick burst and the the vision as a runner that you'd see with some other guys in this class. You also mentioned the Bama game. The if you only watch the Bama game, you're not gonna like Ritter that much because it, he didn't he didn't look great that in that game. I don't think he played well. He had some balls get batted down into the line of scrimmage um and he didn't get out of the pocket very easily against them. I don't think that is a full picture of who he was as a player throughout the year. Um, but it certainly is not going to help him come draft time when in the biggest game of the year, I don't think he had a great game. Um, but yeah, I think Ritter is, you know, you, we talked about fit earlier for some of these guys. I think Tennessee would be an interesting option. I already talked about Tannehill. I think you mentioned his ability to kind of hit those intermediate throws over the middle of the field. Um, that's, I could see that working with Tennessee's offense being more um, based on the ground and then him, you know, hitting those intermediate throws out of play action. I do think he has the ability to work out of play action pretty well. Um, so that would be an interesting fit towards the end of the first round. I do think you're probably, I do think you'll see him go anywhere from 20 to 35 or something like that. Um, I don't think I would take him in the first round, but I, I understand um, why, why a team would. And to me, when you're looking at quarterbacks, you have to think, you know, what's the, what's the long-term goal here? You know, like, what is, what are we going to get out of them at their, at their best? And with him, I just don't see a scenario where he is 
an elite quarterback in the NFL necessarily. I mean, like I mentioned Dak Prescott and Dak went in the fourth round and surprised a lot of people. So obviously it can be done, but personally, I, I don't, I have a harder time seeing him, you know, ever growing into that very elite quarterback role. And maybe I'm wrong, but like you said, you didn't really see it in the big game against Alabama. He obviously has a lot of good plays. That's another thing you have to be really careful with, um, with quarterbacks, I think, is that when you're watching tape and teams are and you see on ESPN, Dan Orlovsky or whoever it may be showing their best plays, you can fall in love with what they can do, but that isn't a representation of what they will do, especially in the NFL when everyone's faster, you know, it's a lot harder. And so that's where I think with him, like you said, is there anything exceptional that he can do or that he will develop into? I don't know. And that's what gives me pause with him. Yeah, the the thing I think that will help him uh, come draft time, he seems like the the guy that has impressed the most in interviews um, for like four year starter at Cincy, um, good leader there. So I think he does probably. Which you know, there's always a question of how much those things really matter, but um, I do think he has probably the most intangibles out of any guy in this class, and um, is probably the most trustworthy guy, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But yeah, I think that's the biggest question for him, and. You know, some people look at him and say, like, I see all of these things he can improve at, um, but it's going to be really hard for him to put all those things together, and that's that's why I probably wouldn't take him in the first round. All right, we're down to two guys left. Done a good job so far, I think, of breaking uh, these guys down. So you're down to Matt Corral and Malik Willis, obviously. So I think I know who you're wanting, what your order is going to be, but let's break it down. Who's Who's two and one? Yeah, so two is Matt Corral. Matt leaves Willis at one. Um, I'll talk about Corral first. So the positives with Corral is he's a really good runner. He can he can move in the pocket. Um, he I think he does have a lot of improving to do throwing on the run. Like he's he's just very erratic in general. So he has trouble sometimes, um, you know, making like making quick decisions and just kind of chucking the ball down the field, but. He's athletic enough to me to make a real impact both in the structure of an offense and outside of the structure of an offense. And to me, I think the biggest thing that's being a a little bit underrated about him is his arm strength. Like he, to me, it reminds me of a shortstop a little bit, the way he kind of whips the ball. Um, And and it really worked well for him in the Lane Kiffin RPO offense because his release is as quick as pretty much any quarterback in the NFL. Um, I do think he has the arm strength to throw off platform. That's something he could grow in as he continues to become more accurate um he's also like I mean anybody that watches watched Ole Miss this year is gonna know this he does he does not care where he runs like he will take a beating every game and he just like he is super tough I actually think that might hurt him a little bit because he is I mean ever I think everybody looks at him and just says I don't know how he's gonna stay healthy consistently in the NFL if he continues to play like that and so then you're getting into the question of how good is he if he doesn't play like that like how good is he if he's not aggressive or how often is he going to be able to actually play if he is aggressive? And that's, I think, going to be the most difficult thing for teams to to evaluate with him. What what scares me about Matt Corral is that how is he going to translate to the NFL level? Because he did play at Ole Miss in a very heavy RPO system. And I know like you can say, well, that was because that's what really worked. And that's true. But he almost seems like a quarterback who plays better when things are broken down, which is a good thing because that means you can, you have the ability to improvise and, you know, make plays that out of nothing. But it also means I think he struggles when things are go as they're supposed to. 
Like, I, it seems like he struggled when I watched him to just simply drop back and be like, oh, I have a clean pocket and I get to pick where I throw. Like, he didn't know what to do. And so those, like, intermediate, you know, accurate throws, I didn't really see him make a lot of. But like you said, the off-platform, the running, the deep balls, they kind of dazzle you. And he has the ability to make some of those NFL-caliber-type plays. But what separates a good NFL quarterback from a great and, or a bad one is the ability to just do the, the simple mediocre things. Uh, or not mediocre, but monotonous. And that's, you know, like for all the things that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can do that are inc- incredible, they also do the simple things very well. And I don't know if Matt Corral does that as well as I would like him to. Yeah, and it makes this, I think, is a perfect example of why the draft is so difficult is because I just haven't seen him make enough reads to know if he's actually good at it or not. Like, I I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he's great at it, but I'm also not saying he's bad because that's just not really what Ole Miss's offense was. And so that's going to be something teams are really going to have to try to figure out with him is – you know, maybe put him on the whiteboard, see how well he understands that kind of stuff. And then you're just going to kind of have to guess and project on how well he's going to be able to adapt to that in the NFL. And the, I, you know, he doesn't really take many deep drops. Like we don't really see him come back and set his feet and let it rip. Like you mentioned, I think he may. And I, this is where I think fit really matters with him. I think he honestly might be best off starting in like the two offense where it's just a ton of quick stuff. And then you slowly work him in to a more diverse system and allow him to expand his game a little bit, because I think he still struggles to find the middle ground in throwing with touch kind of similar to Howell where um, he was so used to in the Ole Miss offense to just like picking the ball up and firing a slant as quickly as possible or whatever, whatever route he's immediately looking to that he sometimes um, gets in that mindset a little bit too much. And he's just going to have to in general adjust to being in an NFL offense. And I think, the last thing I'll add with him that's a little bit of a concern is he, which I think this is true for a few of these guys in this class, he just does not like to give up on plays. Like he just – he refuses to, and I think that's sometimes to his benefit, um, but it's also sometimes to his detriment. And he can throw, like, when he doesn't really set his feet. Um, and But, you know, he also can get sloppy and have accuracy issues as well. So Corral, to me, is a guy that will really need – structure for him when he gets into the league but I do think he has the tools to be a pretty good quarterback if it does work out so I think I think similar to Ritter I would probably um not take him in the first round but especially him um if it like you know if you wanted to trade up to 32 to get that fifth year I think this is probably the guy where I would start to say like that makes sense and he's the one that has like the traits where you say if he puts it together then his ceiling could be high Whereas some of those, you know, Pickett and Ritter, similar talent level, but not quite the same traits there. And I think that's what is intriguing about Corral. All right, obviously Malik Willis is your number one. He's probably the most polarizing uh, quarterback in this class because we just, we don't know a ton about him, I think, as far as how is he going to translate to playing in the NFL because he played at Liberty um, but yet the athleticism is off the chart and so are the intangibles, if you will. So talk about him and what you like and what you don't like. Yeah, I think first the biggest thing that needs to be set straight with him is this is not Lamar Jackson, right? It's not – he does not run – and first of all, I don't think he's the thrower that Lamar is yet, but he does not run like Lamar Jackson. This guy's a power runner. Like he, he runs over people and through people. And – 
there's there's one play that I, when I was watching some tape of him that really stood out to me, and I think it just talks like shows what he is so well is he it was a play against Old Dominion where it was a read option and he kept it, and the O line just got completely blown up. And not only he he got around the defensive end setting the edge, and then was able to make two more guys miss and run over the guys in the second level. And I think that's what you're looking looking at with Willis is a guy that can make plays when nothing's there, right? And I do think even though he doesn't have the top speed of maybe a Lamar or, or a Kyler, he still can get up to a, a really um, quick speed. And I think a team, the team that drafts him is going to have to be willing to use this QB power type schemes and be able to just run him up the middle. And we saw this offense a lot that the Ravens have implemented with Lamar. I think that's going to be the type of offense that is most beneficial for him as well, because he's a tackle breaking machine and he has the ability to change direction quickly um, and cut back. And he defensive backs, like maybe in the NFL, when guys are a little more physical, they'll have a better chance, but collegiate defensive backs, I mean, they just can't bring him down. Like it's, it's unfair because he's just so much bigger and so much stronger than those kind of guys. So um, that's, that's a little bit about him as a runner. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously he is probably the most dynamic runner in this class, which like you've mentioned several times is, has become almost, if you don't have it in the NFL, you better be a really good thrower. Um, and he has kind of that running ability that that is unteachable and, and very, very highly sought after in the NFL. I think it's interesting that you point out he's not like Lamar because that's kind of what everybody's trying to find, I guess, or compare now to. Um, he kind of reminds me of honestly, like you know the like the Cam Newton style of running, but quicker, if you yeah. will. Like he's like a mix between. Um, that and and what Lamar can do, I think he is shifty, but not quite obviously like the Lamar level. So it's interesting to see like when he does run, how that's going to be utilized. Like if it's going to be more quick, try to be quick out on the perimeter and more power. You know, I think he'll try to kind of have to find his a team that is able to use him correctly in that in that running. Yeah, and the the running to me is the reason why I'd be willing to take him in the first round and above all of these other guys is to me, everyone is talking about Malik Malik Willis in the boomer bust sense. And I understand why that is the discourse around him, but I think that's ignoring the floor that his running provides to an offense, because I think this is not just a guy that can scramble and he is a good scrambler. Like I think the running can really be a part of your offense that you implement into your system and you can depend on throughout the regular season. And so I think the floor on him is a little higher than most people do because of that ability. Um, and, and with the throwing, obviously it's maybe not as good as some of these other guys in, in terms of the complete package, but I, I was impressed. And this was what surprised me the most. Like I, I really had no idea who I was going to have number one, when I started watching these guys, I was much more impressed at his throwing than I thought I was going to be. Um, he's not scared to throw from the pocket. He has really good arm strength. He, I think he uses his legs really well to like drive into throws and he has the ability to throw with different arm angles. He can throw outside the numbers, inside the numbers. Um, He's just so athletic that that translates to his throwing. You know, he can, he can throw off his back foot. He can set his feet quickly on the move and throw. Um, And he's, he's patient, but patient to a fault. There was a stat this year. He was, on 51% of his dropbacks this year, um, he either scrambled or was sacked. And that is a ridiculously high percentage. Now, 
part of that has to do with the offensive line he's playing behind and the system they're in. They run, you know, they're very RPO heavy. Um, so a lot of those scrambles are just kind of naturally within the flow of the offense. But that is not how the NFL is, right? Like that's just not how you're going to be able to play. And so um, he he's going to have to work on that. Like he's his motion is a little long. He he can fail to throw it away sometimes. He's he's kind of erratic. And just like Corral, he just doesn't really give up on plays ever. So both of those guys are going to have to improve that um, at the next level. He also just takes unnecessary hits sometimes. Like, just you know, he just needs to learn to go down. Um, and then throwing the ball, I think he sometimes stares down his first receiver too much. But that's also a question of the offense at Liberty because they, they're not really an offense where you go through your progressions. It's just kind of one check and then you're done. Um, so just like Corral – I have no idea how well he can read defenses. I mean, Hugh Freeze, his head coach, basically gave the quote, like, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And I think some, you know, obviously that sounds like a negative. I think some front offices and coaching staffs are going to like that he's malleable and, like, they can mold him into what they want him to be. But he also just hasn't had enough exposure to those NFL concepts yet to where he's going to be able to come in and throw the ball at a super high level immediately. Um, so I, I think Willis is really interesting. I like his rushing floor. I think he has real. I, I think he has great arm talent. Like I think his he has the ability to become a great passer, but it's going to take time. So this needs to be somebody. This needs to be a team that's willing to be patient with him and build the offense around his strengths early on. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, like you just mentioned about because he played in the system that he did. He hasn't had to learn really how to necessarily be a quarterback, and so because of that, you know, he's not going to have this idea of what system he should be in necessarily as a thrower. And maybe, you know, he can kind of learn whatever team drafts him. So that's that's a very interesting concept, I think. But like you said, I think what's going to be so intriguing about him and why teams are going to pick him first is because we've seen this concept lately of guys who are, you know, really good athletes who have a really strong arm in that running ability and they've worked out in the NFL. I think of, you know, Josh Allen and then now Justin Herbert, uh, who people forget because he's kind of transformed into such a good passer that at the end of his Oregon career, he ran for like three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. And that that's was how they scored that game. He didn't throw very well. And so, yeah, I think that, that the running ability is so intriguing and, and because the arm strength and talent is there, like he could develop into a superstar quarterback. And that's not just saying that because you want, you always want to break out quarterback, but because, you know, if you watched his pro day and saw some of those throws that he made, like he can make some incredible throws. It'll just be, like I said, you. what's so hard about the NFL is that you have to be able to put that athleticism and that talent together with being able to do the simple things, with being able to read defenses, knowing when to take chances, when not to. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. And that's what's so interesting about the NFL is how, how these guys are able to adapt and respond. Yeah, and I think – what has to be mentioned with Willis is when it, it, I mean, it's a complete open secret that the Steelers love him. The question is, is he going to be there at 20 for them to take him? And I, I, I think the answer is probably no. I, I think he will probably go before then, even if that means it's the Steelers trading up to get him. Um, but I think the Steelers fit is really interesting because at first, when you think about that, you think about the offense they ran with Big Ben. And that's not really at all what you imagine Malik Willis doing at the next level, but Matt Canada is their offensive coordinator and he is a guy that likes to run RPO stuff. Now with big Ben, a lot of times that just meant like, you know, hold the ball and then flick it to somebody three yards down the field really quick. Cause that's all he was able to do at that point in his career. 
But Willis, I think, would be very effective in that system if they figure out that RPO offense and kind of combine that with some QB power stuff. Steelers have a great defense, obviously. Um, you know, I think they're one of the few teams where they're not necessarily a, you know, they're not a rebuilding team. Like, they're a win-now team. I still think he makes a little bit of sense with them, and I understand why there's a lot of buzz around that. But the question to me with him is, like, does Seattle or Atlanta or one of those teams at the back end of the top ten, do they just say, let's take a swing on this guy? Like, we, we, we're we ready. Like, we don't have enough talent to compete right now anyways. Let's see if we like – let's see if we get lucky with Malik um, and develop him over the next couple of years and turn him into a really good quarterback. So, to me, I, I'd be really surprised if Willis gets past Pittsburgh at 20. Um, I think – he has the potential where if someone in the top 10 were to take him, I would understand it. Yeah. I think there's no way he drops past 20. And I think at this point in the NFL, because of the way things have gone in previous years with quarterbacks, that he'll go in the top 10 because it's just like, it feels like it's almost a sin nowadays. If, if one of these teams doesn't take a quarter or try to take a chance on a quarterback, because you're telling me, like, you know, the Giants took Daniel Jones at six. You're telling me you can't, you know, one of these teams isn't going to fall in love with Malik Willis enough to take him that early. Like, I just, I don't see in this day's NFL all these guys having enough patience on the court. Because for some reason, the quarterback, it, it's like everybody wants to take a quarterback. It's almost like you have to talk yourself out of it. And so I think that some team is going to talk themselves into taking him, whether that be by trading up like the Steelers or just one of those teams, you know, in the top 10 already, you know, just being willing to do it. I think it's going to happen this year for sure. Yeah. And I think the first spot that you really have to look at that happening is at six with Pittsburgh. I mean, obviously Jacksonville, they've got Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to take anybody. I think maybe, maybe, maybe Detroit would do it. I don't think they're ready to do that. I don't, I don't think that's what happened, but obviously, you know, Jared Goff is not the long-term answer. So they are going to have to fill that need at some point. They, to me, feel like a team that is going to be bad for another year and then hope that they end up with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever ends up surprising us in next year's class. The Texans say they're happy with Davis Mills. I'll, I'll take them at their word. The Jets have Zach Wilson. The Giants have picked up Daniel Jones option. So I think they're, they're wanting to evaluate that for one more year. So really the first team that could potentially take one, in my opinion, is the Panthers at six. They're super desperate. Matt Rule is obviously already on the hot seat. So I don't know if they would want to, you know, put this investment into a long-term project when Rule is probably looking to win now a little bit more. But comments from Ben McAdoo the other day were really interesting and indicated that they were looking to get somebody with a little bit more potential. And maybe that's a smokescreen for them to just take Pickett or, who, you know, whoever, but – um, they, to me, would, would have a chance to take Willis at six. And then um, after that, you know, you're looking at Falcons, Seahawks, um, maybe Washington. Like, those are kind of the teams you're looking at after that. Yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, what teams are going to think about as far as, you know, where the quarterbacks fall this year and how much they're valued. Because I think, you know, some years other more than others, it seems like when a quarterback gets taken early, that then pushes up the, the time frame for some of these other quarterbacks to get taken. So it will be interesting to see, you know, where he falls first. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, like we talked about before, this is not, you know, the elite quarterback class. None of these guys are expected necessarily for sure right away to be, you know, the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, you know, Trevor Lawrence type talents. But 
it's all about projection, I think, with a lot of these guys and hoping that maybe they could be something. So interesting class, of course. Obviously, everyone's already, always interested in the quarterbacks. Anything else we need to discuss about this quarterback class? No, I don't, I don't think there's a ton. I think, you know, there's I, – I would look for teams to be pretty mobile in getting these guys because I think opinions vary a lot on – on these players, you know, I think there's probably teams like there's definitely teams that have Ritter number one. There's teams that there's teams that have Pickett number one. Um, there's there's probably teams that have Corral number one. I mean, Chris Sims, um, who is one of the people I really like listening to and hearing his opinion on these kind of things, he has Corral at number one. So I, that to me would indicate that there are probably some teams that do as well. So it's going to be interesting. Like I, I still think all of these guys have a chance to go one, but I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Um, around especially late in the first round, early second round, where you, you'll, you might see some of these teams jump back into the first round or trade back. You know, I think that's going to be the most interesting, interesting thing to follow um, because it's not like last year where, you know, we know quarterbacks are going one, two, and three, and the question is just who is going where. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting because a lot of times you'll, you don't know when they'll go because the team is going to either trade up or trade back. So that, that'll be really interesting to see as well. All right, that's going to do it for our quarterback class of 2022 breakdown. Uh, obviously, Sully had Sam Howell at five. Um, he had Kenny Pickett at four, probably a little bit of a surprise. But like I said, I agree there with, with probably his overall ceiling. Desmond Ritter at three, Matt Corral at two, and then Malik Willis at one. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they actually fall in the real draft. Thank you for, for doing this, Sully, and joining me today. Uh, this is not the only time we're going to talk about the NFL draft. Obviously, there are a lot more players besides quarterbacks. We're going to have hopefully another guest on who's been on here before, and we're going to do a full NFL draft preview and probably do a little bit of a mock as well. So you can know maybe where some of these guys will fall and what to expect when the draft rolls around. So thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time.